Okay, welcome to Spiniverse, week two of season two. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm Rabbi Josh, um, Goucher Hello Director, he, him pronouns. My name is Leah Sawyer, she, her, pro- she, her pronouns, and I'm the former Hello President. And hello, I'm Maya Wittenberg. I'm the co-president of Hillel, and I'm a senior. All right, Ryan's sitting this one out today for uh, not, not feeling well. Hoping Ryan's back ne- with us next week. Um, but we are going to do some Noah and flooding stuff today. Um, this is a bit of a visual thing, which doesn't work in a podcast format, but we have these two lovely dinosaurs that are sitting on a mountain that seems to be uh, surrounded with water. <laughs> Looking over at this ark floating away from them and saying, oh, crap, was that today? Um, <laughs> just starting out with a little bit of a laugh. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we have this whole, like, flood narrative, guys. That's what you know, Noah's all about. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts when you think about this whole story before we even get into it? You know, questions you have, what thoughts you've had, what memories you I have. I think I've I've never looked at this actual text before I don't think like I obviously know the story of Noah and like I feel like most almost everyone had a little like toy ark and animals when they were younger I feel like it's just yeah. something like every home has but I feel like it's going to end up being a lot darker for sure <laughs> you mean a cataclysmic flood that destroys almost all life on earth not going to be an upbeat story <laughs> just a thought um, yeah, but it, you're right. The story, it's like, it's just very uh, iconic, I guess. Um, and in some ways, like, there's something very simple to tell a kid about a story like this. But then, of course, it's not simple at all. Um, and even in, like, ancient times, there were a lot of different religions that had flood narratives, some which may have did it to historical events in terms of kind of, like, flooding of the Mediterranean basin that flooded surrounding countries um and some more kind of mythic in nature so if you look at like um sumerian culture there's a whole flood narrative there a lot of other kinds of things through there so like the story that we have in the torah is related in some sense to like every you know every religion's got to have a creation myth and then every religion's got to have a flood myth in a certain sense so um, i just want to put it in some context of like the ancient near east that um this is not unique and we want to look at kind of like the the Torah's take on the story and what we make of it of course so I think what I wanted to look at is like we could look at the flood and the building of the ark and getting all the animals on it that's the part that you know and how long they were on the waters and sending out the birds and all of that I actually want to sort of cut that part and look at the look at the beginning and end of the story Like, why does the flood happen in the first place? And then what comes after in order to kind of like give us a sense of like, well, what's this whole thing about anyway? We know it happened, but like, why? And what's supposed to come from it? And what does that tell us about God and human beings and everything? Okay, so whoever's ready to jump in, we're gonna read some of this text and I'll, sorry, I'll scroll down on the screen as we go. I can read. Cool. When humankind began to increase on earth and daughters were born to them, the males among them, oh, the divine beings, which I guess means the males among them, saw how pleasing the human women were and took wives from among those who delighted them. Okay, then. Um, God said, my breath shall not abide in humankind forever since it 
two is flesh. Let the days allowed them be 120 years. It was then and later too that the Nephilim appeared on earth when divine beings cohabited with the human women who bore them offspring. Such were the heroes of old, the men of renown. God saw how great was human wickedness on earth, how every plan devised by the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. And God regretted having made humankind on earth. With a sorrowful heart, God said, I will blot out from earth humankind whom I created, human together with beasts, creeping things, and birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. But Noah found favor with God. This is the line of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his age. Noah walked with God. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, Or is it Japheth? The earth became corrupt before God. The earth was filled with lawlessness. When God saw how corrupt the earth was, for all flesh had corrupted its ways on earth, God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with lawlessness because of them. I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Wow, like goucher. (laughs) Make an ark with compartments and cover it inside and out with pitch. All right. So that's actually the end of Breshit going into Noah, going into the Parsha. Like it's this, the beginning of the story spans the end of last week's Parsha and the beginning of this week's Parsha. Very nice reading, by the way. Um, so, and you know, some hard, some, some weird words in there. This is an interesting part of the story that you probably didn't read that much. What do you think of it? I'm confused. Did me God- too. <laughs> Did God say, let me open my own file so I can scroll. Um, to, God said, I will blot out humans with beasts and creeping things and birds because I regret that I made them. God regretted creating the animals too. What did the cows do? Like, and then did God only pick like the two righteous of all the different kinds of animals too? Or was it more of like a convenience thing? Because I always thought it was like a convenience thing. But here it's like God is like, I'm getting rid of the animals because I regret making them too. I thought of it as like survival of the fittest. Like whoever could get that's, there got there. Yeah. The two but that that's fight like, their way there. I feel like that was like a part that was like ignored. Like, because you're right. Like, I, I don't know which two we're going to go. Oh, you mean survival of the fittest of the species? Like the one, the two fittest camels get to go on the ark versus a, yeah by the way actually it was not only a pair of each animal it was like different numbers of pairs versus if they were like kosher animals versus non-kosher animals so oh, seven, I knew that. I yeah, knew like that. seven pairs of kosher animals it was like two pairs of none so yeah which is interesting, interesting. The movies, honestly, that in the movies it's two and and they sing the song two by two noah which movie? Oh, wait, it's not a it's movie. Like it's a, a song. And no, there's also a cartoon movie. Oh, there's <laughs> there's a, a lot cartoon. of them. No, it's a very popular story. I think yeah. probably because there's a lot of animals in it and kids yeah. like animals. Yeah. This right. is like probably the most popular. It was a good arc. Like, portion. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's the worst joke. <laughs> yeah, to go for it. Okay. Um, the gopher go arc. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, 
okay, you're confused because God killed all the animals along with the people, but what did the animals do? Good question. Right. Not really God answered here. You haven't made the animals. Right, not really answered here. And also, is it clear what the people did wrong? Even the people. Let's leave the animals aside for a moment. What did the humans do? Be bad. It was very good. They be bad. <laughs> they were lawless. Um, before, before that, nothing. And then we have this whole thing in the beginning here too, by the way, about divine beings cohabiting with women and having like hybrid children that are sort of. I might have read that wrong because here it said it was like written in a weird way that said. Um, the the males. Um, okay, I read this wrong. I thought it was like the males among them referring to males as the divine beings. I was wrong. The males among the divine beings saw them and then went down. That's still creepy. Right. And are these sort of God, angels? Like, I don't know why, but this is making me think of like elves and humans and various different fantasy books. Elves. <laughs> divine elves. Again, in Lord of the Rings kind of thing. Um, so because you have like, you know, hybrid offspring there um, or you know like hercules only he's not in lord of the rings the hercules yes right so in greek myths or um what's the one i'm thinking about i don't know and any other of these kinds of things and then if nephilim which actually means fallen ones by the way um that appear on earth like so the idea that there are some humans that are more divine that's interesting and then and then they sort of skip over it and then like god's like and now was it the cohabiting that was wrong like that's what i always was wondering well, it says because it says maybe because god said let it allow them to be 120 years so maybe it was really just the end of the 120 years and god just needed an excuse to get rid of everyone because the time had passed i read that as that humans lifespan should not expand beyond 120 uh. years um I thought God was like, they can have 120 years and that's it. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying like, that's the, the countdown to the flood. Like that's, yeah. really, that is interesting because I never read it that way, but that also makes sense. That also makes sense in this context. Huh. Because mm -hmm. like if they're divine beings, do they have a lifespan? Well, the, in the intervening chapters between what we read last week and read this week, there's a whole lot of genealogy and those, a lot of those people live longer than 120 years. Right. Now it's not the case that there are people after this that don't live past 120 years. In fact, Abraham lives to like 175, you know, yeah. Jacob lives very long too. So Moses ends up living to 120, interestingly enough. Um, and which is interesting because like, you know, the longest recorded lifespan we have on record is 122. Um, so it, outlived yeah <laughs> you know so there's something there there's something to that you also look at it like if god was sending the divine beings down to earth the divine beings people didn't have to have a set lifespan because they were going to naturally die eventually but if god was like the divine beings aren't going to die on their own but if they want to live on earth they have to die so this mm -hmm. is how long they get yeah it's very non-specific um the whole reasoning here. And this is where the, the rabbis I have a lot of commentary on it. I'm not sure I actually brought forth that here, but I would say, go look at it. I have one here. Um, so this is from Bereshit Rabbah. Uh, so go for it, Maya, if you're up for it. This is one version of the answer of what did, why was God regretful? Go for it. Okay, Leah, Leah, go for it. Yeah. And God regretted that he made man on earth. And here are the interpretations. 
Rabbi Yehuda said, God said that I regret that I created man on earth since I had created him above in heaven. He would not have rebelled against me. But what? Okay. Rabbi Nahima says, God said that I am consoled that I created man below on earth. Since if I had created him above in heaven, then he, then just as he incited the lower worlds against me, so too he would have incited the upper worlds against me. Okay, then. Rabbi Abu says, God said that I regret that I created the evil inclination since if I had not created it, he would not have rebelled against me. Rabbi Levi says, God said that if that I am consoled that I made man and placed him on the earth where he eventually dies. And he said, and he was sad to his heart. Rabbi Brahia says, there is an allegory to a prince who built a palace by way of an architect. Wow, we're getting deep there. He saw the palace and it was not pleasing to him. At whom should he be angry? Not the architect. So too. And he was sad to his heart. Not at the architect. I think that's like, a, like he should be angry at the architect, right? Um, so I guess it's, it's trying to explain the sense of like, why is God sad? Because God messed up somehow. Yes. I I think the first one especially where they're like I wish God had I, like God should have made God sad because God wished that God had made the people in heaven doesn't make sense because then when God brought people back God would have put some people in heaven and God didn't so that one doesn't make sense you have a very good point there I think you win over that rabbi whoever he was yes. <laughs> Leo one rabbi zero yeah it would yeah that doesn't that doesn't track um except i guess the question is like so part part of the idea is like was god trying to start over with somebody good like you know and then this is i mean to use a common term right now this is genocide right like it's it's like beyond genocide it's i don't know what would the world be like world aside like it's it's bad it's yeah like, it's, it's like thanos but worse um you know life aside life like all life literally yeah that's your fish what? but like a saltwater fish the fish weren't affected at all they live in water no i know but if it gets thrown like that like, oh maybe there are some people who say that uh some commentators say that the waters were like boiling hot and killed all the fish except the ones that noah brought on in his ark in a special aquarium what, um, if, what if like or so that the fish didn't die, you know. What if what? What if like if it was boiling and like someone fell overboard? Is that a jacuzzi? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Guess it was specially temperature treated gopher gopher wood, so you didn't need to do that. I don't know. What? What? Like how? Why would? Because I'm thinking too. Like if it was boiling hot water, wouldn't it boil the ark too, and the whole thing would disappear? Not gopher wood. Those gophers wood. are real strong. Yeah, what is yeah. gopher wood? Is there a gopher I tree? I guess so. I believe it's supposed to be like acacia wood, I think. I have any which is a light, like a very light um, wood. I think it's also used in like some parts of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, which we took looked at we last should, year. We should change the Goucher mascot to an acacia tree. Okay. Right. Like okay. there's something, right? You know, a lot of schools have changed things from like the that thing from offensive things to more you know so like that's what we should have it should be a gopher a 
gopher tree instead of a gopher. Mm -hmm. um, Back to what we were saying before, I never heard, I guess I don't remember as a kid learning that the water was boiling hot. I never remember. It's not in the Torah. It's a Midrash. So I'm going to tell you that you're right. That's one person's version of trying to deal with this whole question about the fish, which they asked, which is why you didn't learn it. And it's not, and like, like all these different rabbis opinions, it's not canon, right? Like in, in, in a sense, it's like, that's one person's like take on like, how did this happen? Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to jump ahead to the end of the story and to kind of try and see this whole thing. Um, so here's what happens. I'll give you the kind of quick recap. Noah gets on the ark with his wife and his three sons and their wives and all these animals. And they're on the ark and the waters rise. And, you know, for 40 days and 40 nights, the, the rain falls. And then, by the way, it's not only 40 days and 40 nights he's on the ark. It's like almost a whole year because but the water takes time for it to like drain and go down and then he sees the, the mountaintops and all that stuff and sends out the birds first the raven who doesn't come back and then the dove who comes back with a uh, an olive branch and then he sends out the dove again doesn't come back so the dove has to, has to find a place to roost so noah starts to get off the ark with all of the animals and what's the first thing that noah does when he gets off the ark folks trivia question here for you does he i forget but does he kiss the, kiss the ground Nope, that would be so sweet, right? Probably all, something weird. What did all he do? of these wonderful animals that he, he just eat all the animals. He <laughs> he sacrifices animals, <laughs> and as soon as he gets off the ark and makes an offering to God for having oh, right within the ancient world, as we've seen in Leviticus, like that was pretty common. It's sort of the way that people express gratitude. However, so God, we're less. Did, how, how did he choose which animals? Didn't were is that where the unicorns went? Is are they the animals that sacrifice? <laughs> I don't think it says specifically which animals. I believe that the rabbis comment that it was like the you know bulls or rams or something like that, which are end up being sacrificed in the temple. Um, and so, but it says here actually, oh, this is not translated. I'll translate this beginning of this verse. Uh, God smells the God smelled the sweet smell. Reach nichoach. And God said into his heart, I will not uh, continue to curse any more the ground because of people, for the inclination of man's heart is evil from his youth, meaning Urav. Um, and I will not, and I will not further strike all of life. So going back to the question of not just humans, but all of life, as I have done. So God's like, oops, messed up. I can't, whatever I thought this was going to fix this whole thing, it didn't fix it because here's Noah goes, like Noah goes and sacrifices animals, but at the same time, God seems to be somehow placated because of the smell of the sacrifice. But um, does it later on in the Torah, I remember like going on some other rant about this another time, God like ponders wiping out everyone again. Oh, like, many times. Many so, times. Like, yeah, he didn't like that. God the, is not a man. God needs some help managing we, we their managing their emotions and finding healthy coping mechanisms. Absolutely, I need some help. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I yeah. Moses is kind of offers plays that role as like the placator because that's the that's what happens to the golden calf. That's the golden calf incident. Yeah. That's probably thinking of where God's like stand aside and I'll strike down all the people. And Moses is yeah. like, that's a bad look for you. <laughs> Bad look for you. It is. This is a bad look too. You Moses. took all these people out of Egypt just to I kill them in the desert. What are they going to say about you, God? Yeah. 
Um, so, okay, so here's a, here's a comment on this. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, which goes maybe to that other comment about like evil inclination. Like people have capacity for bad and good. Um, he ascribes merit to men because by their very creation, they have an evil nature in their youthful days, but not in their mature years. If so, for these two reasons, it is not proper to smite every living thing. The reason for the prefix mem, mean urav, from in the word, is to indicate that the evil imagination is with men from the very beginning of their youth, just as the rabbis have said. From the moment he wakes to go forth to his, from his mother's womb, the evil impulse is placed in him. It is possible that the verse is saying it is from his youth, meaning on account of youth, that the evil inclination is in man, mean urav, from his youth, for the youth causes him to sin. Um, okay, any thoughts on that before we go to the more com contemporary commentary? Does that hold any water or not really? I don't know, you know? Do you find that you've learned more things in your, in your you know, as, as you've would, grown from experience? I would differ to say that the opposite is true because I feel like when you're younger, you kind of, well, yeah, in some ways you're kind of like, how does it benefit me? But I feel like when you're younger, you don't, go about things and i guess now in a modern day it might be a little different because people are more like manipulative and sketch now than maybe they were in these days but like i feel like younger people tend to just like more do things because they want to do the right thing or like do something nice without really thinking in the same way adults can be like sketchy and do more manipulative and like evil things like personally youthful idealism is what you're saying yeah there. exactly yeah yeah over like you know jaded uh rationalization of actions that really aren't so great yeah yeah no you have a good point that's a good it's a good flip for that thanks um yeah um so you know as with a lot of things this god doesn't come off so great although except maybe you want to see this god is kind of human like god god's learning from god's um, genocidal mistakes. <laughs> what is that supposed to teach us as human beings, though, um, about this? So Rabbi Yitz Grinberg says the following. The Torah reveals that God is a loving Lord who's deeply distressed at the sight of widespread devastation and death. To wipe out people for the sin of disobedience and violence is so coercive that even if people do the right actions thereafter, there's no dignity or genuine morality of their behaviors. A loving God wants people to be good out of free will and love of others. Therefore, God permanently renounces the threat of inflicting catastrophe. All powerful but loving God self-limits and offers humanity a covenant or partnership. And I think the part of what this is saying, too, is it is easy to ascribe tragedies, you know, to God. The war that is going on right now in, in Ukraine, you know, as we, we take this, right? Like, and um, part of what I think this story does is it says to us, um, that's people, you know, God is, God is trying not to jump in. Um, in this committed partnership of love, humans will join with the divine in building a better world and filling it with life, but they will do so out of free choice and doing their best, not out of terrorized submission to divine dictates. In the covenant, there is full allowance for human weakness in the form of lower compromise expectations, at least along the way to the final goal. Even bad behaviors are provided for by mechanisms of repentance, milder punishments, and divine gift forgiveness. God still wants creation and society to be perfected. However, God loves humans and wants them to mature and become fully images of God. That is, independent creatures who are infinitely valuable, equal, and unique. 
God wants humans to live lives of dignity and creativity and partnership. That is more important than humans building God's desired paradise while living lives of robotic conformity to divine instructions. Um, so it talks a little bit more about covenant and particularly there's this rabbinic idea that after Noah's gets off the ark that like God basically makes like a, a, a simplified version of a, like a Torah, like of law for all of humanity. And that there are seven Noahide laws. So you maybe see this referred to sometimes in rabbinic literature that like, hey, all humanity agreed to these laws. Maybe not all of the laws that are in the Torah, but they agreed to these laws. And the laws are basically like um, or against murder, against stealing, against um, incest, against eating from animals that like basically like harming animals in ways like just just to harm them or eating from a live animal actually um things like that um and all of that so yeah uh, oh here it is right establishing courts of judgment prohibition against cursing the name of god prohibition of idol worship well that's a bit of an issue from a perspective of, of those who use images of God, the prohibition against forbidden sexual relations, bloodshed, robbery, and eating a limb from a living animal. Apparently those are supposed to be universal human laws according to Jewish law. So I think some questions there are like, um, who, <laughs> does that make sense? Is there such a thing as a universal moral law that you think should exist? And yeah, and, and like, does that track in terms of the end of this story of like everybody gets off the ark and we need something new to make sure that humanity doesn't get destroyed again. Here's how it goes. Right. Were there not any laws before? Don't eat from the tree. <laughs> really screwed that one up. Um, but I'm just, God's just going to be like, oh, I didn't tell you what to do, but what you're doing on your own is bad. So goodbye. And then like, I'll tell you to do these things. And then like, people still didn't do them. And then everyone just kind of chilling. Like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> So you're saying it doesn't work for you as a story to explain, as to explain like how societies make laws and govern themselves. So that they don't get wiped out by giant flood. Exactly. That's right. why. Okay. It'll <laughs> be one way. Laws. Yeah, I mean, I think it's weird it's like god's trying on different personas like one of this benevolent creator in the first one and then there's this like uber mad destroyer and you're right it's not fair to say to people you're lawless well what were the laws that we were yeah. supposed to follow right don't kill well i i didn't know that you didn't tell me that you tell me that now <laughs> hey a little bit late how was i supposed to know that my kids always say that no. How was I supposed to know that I was supposed to put the dish away? I did tell you before, but also common sense. And I guess that's the question too, is like, you know, we have certain things built into the way that we react there, but a lot of that is culturally instilled, you know, um, and here too. Yeah. All of that. 
I guess I, one of the things that I do struggle with is this question of like a covenant for all humanity and who are the rabbis to necessarily say whom, what non-Jews should be following in terms of that morality. Um, I think in some ways it's the rabbis like convincing themselves that other humans have morality too without them having to really kind of wade into the very challenging piece of like cultural like like relative cultural relativity of like i value your culture and it's not my culture i value your laws i can understand how you value them and i don't think less of you since you don't subscribe to mine and i think for the rabbis they had a challenging piece of that so they had to kind of create this idea of a covenant for all of humanity that resembled the torah um and it took kind of their their greatest hits um yeah it's that's a challenging one for me from a from a modern perspective and yeah i'll say that myself okay that was noah guys is that it we're good yeah all right um well next I'm week i'm so mad that god thought all the animals were bad <laughs> mm. Okay, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to it. Come back to the animals next time around. There's a lot of animal stuff. Um, so next week we start to get into the story of Abraham and all of that, or Abraham, I should say. Um, so from the story of like one all of humanity, it's to one family. And I think that's interesting with the Torah, is like it's always macrocosm by macrocosm. It's telling the story of like a whole like world by the story of like one family and that's the thing is like, that's what brings us into stories is being able to relate to it like person to person and think about who that person was. Yeah. Okay, guys. Shabbat Shalom. Have a great week. Shabbat Shalom. Spiniverse is a production of Goucher Hillel. If you'd like to look at the text that we've been studying today, take a look at the link in our episode description. Have a wonderful week.